Good morning, everybody. Today we are going to be having our series, Finding Christ in Crisis. And all the lessons so far have really been outstanding. It's been a great series. And what I've been seeing and learning is that throughout the Gospels, Jesus is always helping other people. I know that goes without saying, but it's cool to see that his focus was to help others in their crisis, whether it was the crisis of not having food, the crisis of storms, the crisis of health issues. What I love is that Jesus is always the hero. Jesus is our hero, and he helps us in our crisis. He's always outside of the problem, coming in, helping others in need. But the truth is that usually we are finding Christ in other people's crisis. It's very unique in the Bible to see Jesus himself in crisis. And yet our series is bookended with two scenarios of Jesus in his own personal crisis. Sean Barnes did a great job starting off our series, showing us Jesus in his personal crisis, where Jesus was under attack, and we saw the temptation in the wilderness. And this was really a crisis from the outside, coming in. And I love how Sean shared uh, that scripture was Jesus's personal protective equipment, his PPE. And today we're gonna close on the other end of the series with the story of Gethsemane. And this is where we see Jesus facing crisis from the inside, as opposed to the outside. We see Jesus wrestling in prayer. It's interesting to me that it always comes back to scripture and prayer. I know that as a Christian, this is so basic. It's Christianity 101. And yet in our series, from beginning to end, it's scripture and prayer. Whether you have been a Christian for 30 years or for 30 days, whatever spiritual health challenge you are facing, whether it's from the inside or from the outside, scripture and prayer is God's prescription for your healing. In Manhattan, we started off the year with a study on the book of Genesis. And I got to preach about Adam and Eve and how they chose sin in the garden, the Garden of Eden. And it's kind of surreal for me now to come and to be preaching about a different garden. Today, we're going to go from garden to garden, from the Garden of Eden, where people chose to sin, to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus chose to atone for sin. Gethsemane was located on the Mount of Olives. It was literally the Olive Garden. You know, it's kind of funny to imagine a 2020 Last Supper. What would that have been like if Jesus lived in our times? Would he have gone to the Olive Garden for his Last Supper? I don't know. It's funny to imagine Jesus and his disciples, you know, maybe they were breaking breadsticks at the Olive Garden. Uh, But This was before the Olive Garden. It was before the never-ending pasta bowl. Mmm, isn't that delicious? It was before all that fettuccine Alfredo. Before those breadsticks that you dip in delicious olive oil. Jesus, before all this, was in the original Olive Garden. And he was in crisis. And so where do we find Christ in his own crisis? We find him in the Olive Garden. We find Jesus on his knees, and we find him communing with God. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 36 through 46. The Bible says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, 
My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. This was the night before Jesus' crucifixion. And where does Jesus go? He goes to his favorite prayer spot. He goes to the Mount of Olives. He goes to the Olive Garden. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine says that Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives. And what this shows us is that Jesus' custom was to go here to pray. And Jesus goes with his disciples, and he takes all of them, but then he splits off with a smaller group, just three, three disciples, and he brings three friends just a little further along with him. And he confides in them. He shares what he's going through. The Bible uses the word that he, the words he was sorrowful and he was troubled. Can anybody relate to that? Maybe even recently? I know at some point in all of our lives we felt this way. The word overwhelmed in Greek, perilipos, it meant overwhelmed with sorrow, just as Jesus expressed himself with his words. But this word troubled, ademeoneo, it means crushed with anguish. He was crushed. He was feeling pressed and crushed. Jesus was transparent with his friends about where he was at mentally and emotionally. And so where do we find Christ in crisis? We find Christ with his friends close. I've often looked at this passage and really focused on the disciples and their failure to keep watch. Man, these guys are not good friends. That's what I would think. However, if we look from Jesus' perspective, this shows the value that Jesus put on relationships. In his crisis, he needed people to know what he was going through. He wanted people to know. He needed someone to know how he was feeling. Think about it for a second. They couldn't do anything about it. They had no power to help him. They couldn't understand what he was going through. And yet, it was okay to Jesus. He just needed to share with his friends. He brought them in on his suffering. Jesus' friends knew his concerns. And notice how Jesus didn't tell everyone, not even all of his disciples, his deepest feelings. He had three close friends, and he said to them, stay here and keep watch with me. What about you? Who keeps watch with you when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel crushed? Who knows what you're going through right now? The details, the specifics. 
I really appreciate the daytime arts ministry that we get to be a part of. And in our ministry, we have something called Life Talks. And it's very simple. It's where we talk about our life. That's why we call it Life Talks. And we've continued to meet together virtually even through this pandemic so that we can keep watch with one another, that we can share our lives with one another, and so that we can pray together, so we can follow Jesus' command to watch and to pray. And I love our daytime arts ministry, and I'm so grateful that we get to be a part of it. It's such a special group to Manami and I. You know, when we look at our whole church, I know many of us are a part of groups like this, where we talk about our life together and where we pray together. We value friendships in our church. The relationships we have in Christ, they really are so important. However, on the flip side, friends can only travel with you so far. Even with Jesus, with his closest friends, the Bible says that he brought them along, but then he went another stone's throw away. That's pretty far if you think about how far you could throw a stone, right? I hope it's more than six feet. So we know that Jesus was probably more than six feet away from his friends praying. He was socially distant. He knew how you feel right now. He went to a place where it was just him and God. We've got to be realistic about our expectations for our friends. We've got to give them grace. Even with a good heart and a desire, friends will disappoint you. Like Jesus says, even when the spirit is willing, the body is weak. People have limits. And be honest with yourself. You have probably disappointed other people, whether you realize it or not. You probably disappointed some other friends. There are points in your Christian walk where it will just be you and God. You know, we've got to have grace on others when they disappoint us because there are points where it's just going to be us and God, no one else. And I hope this comes across in the right way. It's a balanced view that we've got to keep our friends close. We've also got to remember that they are not God. Jesus came back and it says that his disciples were sleeping. It was late. They were tired. I don't know about you guys. When I get really sleepy, you know, it gets late. I just start to, to fall out. I get tired. They were tired. I'm sure Jesus was exhausted too. He was, he was in the flesh. He was a human. He was 100% man, 100% God. So I'm sure he was tired. But in crisis, Jesus kept his eyes open. And that's my second point this morning is that Jesus kept his eyes open. Jesus stayed watchful in prayer. Jesus says to them, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? For us today, we're all on pandemic time, aren't we? It's this kind of weird, nebulous time where simultaneously it's like we've got gobs of time, tons of time, and yet it feels like the minutes just keep running out and it's like we're running out of time. Time seems to be disappearing, and yet it also goes slow at the same time. What do you spend your time doing right now? How much time have you spent praying? In prayer, you know, one hour didn't seem to be a lot of time for Jesus to pray. What about for you? I'm not saying that you got to pray for lengthy amounts of time in order to be heard by God. But can you spend an hour in prayer? Have you spent an hour in prayer? When was the last time that you prayed for an extended period of time? Many of us can spend hours on Netflix, but struggle for minutes in prayer. Try praying. And try praising God in your prayers. Try focusing your prayers on praising him, adoration. Try praying for the needs of other people. Try to pray less for yourself and more for others. I know for me personally, that's a challenging thing to do. And yet it's always good for me when I focus not on praying for myself, 
but for others. Because Jesus says that your heavenly father knows what you need before you even ask him for it. So it's a challenge, but try to pray less for yourself because God knows what you need and more for other people. You know, what Jesus said to his disciples is the same thing that we need to hear today. He says, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation because there are many temptations right now during this pandemic. But Jesus was vigilant until the end. He kept his eyes open. What would have happened if Jesus gave in to his temptation? It would have meant no salvation for us, no redemption, no hope. And so for us, if we imitate him, we got to think, what is your temptation? Because if you don't watch and if you don't pray, you will fall in every time. You got to watch what you watch. I know that might sound funny, but you got to watch what you watch. I think about Netflix, right? There is more content on streaming services right now than people know what to do with. And often there are no ratings that tell you what's in the shows and what's in the movies. We've got to make sure that we're careful and that we're aware because there's a lot of inappropriate content that's out there. I think about from Netflix to the news, we've got to be watchful, right? The news, it's important to know what's going on. I'm not saying it's not important to know what's going on, but we've got to be careful how much of it we intake because there's a lot of misleading things out there. We've got to be careful that we're not going down the rabbit hole. And really, what's more important? We've got to know what's going on, but really what we've got to do is pray for our world right now. You know, you've got to ask yourself, is this beneficial spiritually for me to be watching? Prayer keeps our eyes open. When Jesus prayed in Gethsemane, it says that he fell with his face to the ground. And in crisis, we find Jesus with his face bowed. And that's my third point this morning is that in crisis, we find Christ in crisis with his face bowed. Jesus was submissive in his prayers. We know that Jesus prayed multiple times, wrestling with the cup that God had set before him. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. The Bible says that Jesus was heard when he prayed. Now you might look at that and think, how does that make any sense? How was he heard? Because he didn't get what he wanted. And we often think that to be heard, it means you get what you wanted when you asked for it. But I'll take it a step further. I, I would say that Jesus wasn't just heard, but Jesus' prayers were answered. In fact, I really believe that every prayer Jesus prayed was answered yes. Not just no, maybe yes. I think Jesus' prayers were always answered yes. And here's why. I want to let you in on a little secret. And this is the secret of how to get God to answer all of your prayers, yes, wouldn't you love to know what this, this is? You know, the way to do this, the way that all of your prayers can be answered, yes, is when you qualify every single prayer you pray with God, your will be done. And here's why, because God's divine will will always be done. That's what the Bible says. In the book of Hebrews, it says that God could have saved him from death. He offered prayers to the one who could have saved him from death. What the scripture shows us is that it was possible for Jesus not to have to go to the cross or to, to be saved from death, I should say. But it was not a part of God's will. When things don't go our way, it doesn't mean 
that God is not almighty. There's a lot of things recently over the last few months that have not been going our way. And there's a lot of things we've prayed for and maybe they haven't happened. They haven't happened in our timing or the way that we've asked. But see, it doesn't mean that God is not all-powerful, that he's not stopping these things from happening. It doesn't mean that he cannot. It means that he will not. It doesn't mean that something is wrong with us or that we should blame ourselves when the thing that we prayed for, it doesn't come to pass. When we don't get what we want, when we want it. It doesn't necessarily even mean that we sinned. Maybe sometimes it's because of a fault of ours that we have sinned, but it doesn't necessarily mean we sinned because Jesus never sinned, and yet he didn't get what he wanted all the time. It just means that it wasn't a part of God's plan. You know, kind of a funny example is that for me as a father, my daughter Emmy is four, and every morning she'll wake up and come out of her bedroom, and one of the first things that she'll ask for, you know this as a parent, is, Daddy, I'm hungry. I want some food. And there are times where she'll ask me, Daddy, can I have ice cream? And that's the first thing that she'll ask for when she wakes up. She wants sweets. And she'll ask for that for breakfast because she's four years old. And when she asks me, Daddy, can I have some ice cream? I'll say, Emmy, no, you can't have ice cream. And I think the point of all this is that I don't say that she can't have ice cream because I couldn't give it to her. In fact, a lot of times we have ice cream in our freezer. Just because I will not allow it, it doesn't mean I can't do it. It's just not a part of my will as their loving father. You know, we've got to pray for and look for God's will in this pandemic. The Bible scholar Craig Blomberg, he writes in the New American Commentary on Matthew that if Christ had to guard his own requests with this type of qualification, how dare we try to pray for anything without also adding if it be your will. We've learned a lot during the pandemic about the new coronavirus. And one development doctors have found is a technique called proning. And this is where you lay a patient face down while on a ventilator, and it gives them the best chance for survival. See, likewise, we have no chance of surviving the virus of sin without laying prone spiritually, without bowing before our God and humbling ourselves with our faces bowed, submissive to his will. You know, Jesus lay prone in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we must imitate his example. As we close, when looking for Christ in crisis, we find him with his friends close, with his eyes open, and with his face bowed. As we prepare to take communion, I think about the immense pressure that Jesus was under. The Bible says in Luke that his sweat was like drops of blood. Imagine that pressure and feeling that squeeze. You know, many of us likewise are feeling the squeeze, the crunch, the pressure. There's a quote that I've I've heard that says, when life squeezes you, what comes out? When you squeeze an orange, orange juice comes out because that's what's inside. When you are squeezed, what comes out is what's inside. Earlier, we joked about finding Jesus in the Olive Garden, yet this is where Jesus was. You may or may not like olives. It's funny how tastes change. As a kid, I didn't like them, and now I love them. And you might be surprised to learn, as I did, that in Aramaic, the word Gethsemane, it means oil press. See, this oil press was located on the Mount of Olives. They would take olives from the trees in the garden around them, a lot of olives, and crush them in a press to produce olive oil. Today, olive oil is mainly used in cooking. 
But in ancient times, olive oil was used for its health benefits, hygienic purposes, for skin care. It was associated with healing. And many scriptures even talk about oil being associated with healing and good health. And as we close, the night before he was crucified, Jesus went to the olive garden, but more specifically to Gethsemane, to the oil press. Gethsemane. See, Jesus is our spiritual olive. Like in Isaiah 53, it says he was crushed for our iniquities. It says he was crushed with anguish. He was crushed like an olive. He was squeezed. He went to the cross to produce spiritual oil to heal us and to cleanse us of sin. As we take communion, let's pray together because of the cross, because of what Jesus has done for us to remember. Our God and our Father in heaven, we come before you this morning so humbled so humbled by what you have done for us, by your love for us, God. We thank you for Jesus, our spiritual olive, who went to the oil press, that he was sorrowful and troubled, that he was crushed, that he was poured out for us. We thank you for his body and for his blood. We thank you that he chose to make atonement for us in the garden. We love you and we pray this all in your son Jesus' name. Amen.